Welcome back to our last session here on chapter 14 in the Strayer book, uh, looking at the commerce in the early modern era. Uh, we're now going to be focusing on the big uh, issue that happened during this, uh, the black mark on human history, and that is the transatlantic slave trade, where 12.5 million Africans were taken from the west and central coast of Africa and uh, brought to the Americas across what is known as the Middle Passage. And uh, of those 12.5 that are taken away, only about 10.8 million make it. So we're talking about about 20% of the people brought on this die, uh, unfortunately. Um, so pretty bad uh, odds, pretty terrible conditions that were on the ships. Uh, they were uh, packed like sardines into the holes, uh, lived in terrible conditions, didn't get much food. Um, and so you have a huge chunk uh, dying. And uh, this, we can't emphasize this enough, probably it drastically changes the world, or at least the, the Atlantic world, let's say that, um, because it's going to change what the West and Central Coast of Africa looks like. Uh, it's going to weaken them. Uh, it's going to lessen the population in that region and leave it ripe for the Europeans to come in and take over in the modern era when they do that, uh, when they do their colonization then. And it's going to drastically change the demographics of the Americas and lead to uh, a large African uh, population, especially in the Caribbean, um, where most of these slaves are going. And also then the other one would be Brazil, again, where most of the slaves go. 90% of the slaves go to the Caribbean or Brazil. Uh, in the U.S., we like to think, I shouldn't say we like to think, that sounds like a terrible thing to say, but it, it's commonly thought that like all the slaves were coming here and again, I can't probably emphasize that enough. That's not what happened. Less than 10% of the slaves came here. Um, somewhere around 6 to 8%, I think. I think it might be closer to that 8%. I don't have an exact number on that. I apologize. Um, or actually, sorry, uh, I do have some numbers from there. Uh, looking back at my notes, around 3.6% of the slaves went to North America and 4.6% of the slaves went to South America with then, again, around 90% going to the Caribbean and a few going up to Europe and, and other areas. So um, we took, uh, we being uh, Americans, took uh, a very small proportion of them. Not saying that it was right or the treatment or anything like that was right or okay, but uh, that was uh, the case. So... Um, what was this trade like, or why does this come about, or what makes this different from other areas in his, or other eras in history? Well, um, going through the history a little bit, you'll see the textbook talk about that. Uh, it goes into the history of where we get the word slave from, and it's from uh, the Roman times, uh, and what they called the Romans called the Slavic people, and that gets turned into slave. And the, the major difference here uh, that we try to point out is that this is known as chattel slavery, where the people were completely property, had no rights, they were inherited. They, uh, the, the scale of slavery is much bigger than, than previously done, and there is little to no hope of becoming free, and primarily you are one race, or it is one race, and that is you are black, and you are from Africa. Um, so this will um, just completely change or, or is, is a complete change from what it was before. Even if we talk about the Romans and the Greeks where you had 
uh, 25 to 30 percent of the population being slave. It was a wide variety of people. It was prisoners of war. It was debtors. It was you had all this this variety there, and you had hope of getting out of it. Yes, you were property. Yes, you could be treated like garbage. You had no rights, uh, or very few rights. Uh, but th this time frame was was even worse. And uh, so uh, the primary reason why they made it this way. Uh, was because they needed so many for the sugar plantations in the Caribbean and in uh, and in um, Brazil, and, and that's because the sugar plantations you have to do this wicked hard work of cutting down these six foot or over six foot high stalks of sugarcane, which then have to be cut down or cut down, processed, boiled. Um, it's a very extensive process. It's very labor intensive. It's very dangerous at times, especially when you're using large cauldrons to boil the sugar and, and refine it. Um, and uh, Europeans did not have the constitution to be able to do it themselves. Um, the Native Americans were being wiped out by diseases and, and did not have the constitution for it. But the Africans in this region uh, lived in similar climates, dealt with similar diseases to what the Europeans had, and uh, therefore had a stronger constitution, and they were used uh, for this. And um, let's see, what do we want to go into next there? So that's kind of the history of it. The, the, and the reason why, again, is the sugar plantations. There are other plantations, other cash crops we can talk about, like coffee, uh, indigo, um, but uh, for the most part, uh, it's, it's mainly revolving around sugar. That is the main product. Uh, I guess, though, if we're talking about the 13 colonies, the main thing we're seeing them being used for is on the uh, tobacco plantations, and then it will eventually be on cotton plantations. When Eli Whitney invents the cotton gin, uh, that revolutionizes the cotton uh, harvesting process, allows you to harvest a lot more cotton, and then we see the slave population in the U.S. explode. Um, but before then, it was it was smaller. It was looking like it was actually going to uh, die out, and the South would not need slaves anymore. Uh, but then the cotton gin came in, and cotton became king, and you had a major shift there. Um, so looking at the slave trade, how did this happen? Uh, if you're wondering how this happened, uh, one, the Europeans didn't go in there and conquer those regions and pull those people out. This was a process that had been going on already. Uh, slavery in Africa was not unheard of. Uh, you had Arab slave traders in there bringing Arabs or bringing Sub-Saharan Africans up to the Middle East uh, to be laborers um, because of regulations in the Quran that say uh, Muslims can't be slaves, but you could have other people be your slaves. Um, then you have just in general in, uh, in the African culture, you could have POWs that were uh, slaves and did labor and stuff like that. And so the Europeans capitalized on this and um, uh, offered uh, finished products, uh, goods and stuff like that, that the Africans needed to be, or for those slaves. And then they took those slaves uh, across the Atlantic. Um, so they could be uh, bought for uh, cowrie shells, uh, which seems weird, but those were a currency there. Uh, they could be bought for textiles, um, tobacco, alcohol, guns, any any finished product that the Africans didn't have themselves. Guns and, and the cowrie shells being some of the most popular ones because guns would allow them to get more slaves and the cowrie shells were kind of common currency in some areas. So um, 
it, it, it wasn't Europeans going and forcing it. Again, this isn't trying to take blame away from the Europeans, but it's showing you kind of how things happen. Um, so what it looked like is, and it kind of starts slowly. You could kind of think of it if, if you, with cooking, if you're going to, um, if you're going to cook a frog, let's say alive or something like that, if you threw it in a pot of boiling water, it would try to jump out of there right away because it knew it was super hot. Whereas if you slowly raise the temperature of that water, uh, you're not going to realize how bad it is until you're already boiling. And that's kind of what happens here. In 1600, we're talking about about 3,000 people were taken away a year. That's not huge numbers. But if we're talking about 1700 to 1850, when we get to the high point of this, we're talking about 80,000 per year. That's a much larger chunk of the population there. So um, by the time that they realize what's going on, um, some kingdoms tried to stop it, but for the most part, their economies in the coast relied on the slave trade to get the guns or other print finished products or the cowrie shells that they needed to maintain their power. And if they didn't maintain their power, then they could be taken out by one of their rivals and they would then become slaves. So uh, really rough times, really, really tough situation for them to be in. And uh, this leads to um, kind of what I already mentioned before. Uh, but it'll 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 have some major effects on Africa. Uh, the biggest being that um, it it's going to weaken them. There's not going to be a very high male population there because the majority of these slaves being taken away are men. There are women, but um, the majority are going to be uh, men. And um, so that's going to be one of the biggest thing. Um, because they're losing such a large population, although they're getting money from the Europeans, there's not going to be a lot of economic growth going on there. There's not going to be population growth. And um, again, this is going to set them up for being able to be conquered because uh, also you don't have a lot of men that are able fighters that can then go and, and defend against the, the modern European armies that will come in there. Uh, one other thing we see... Th thing we see happen is with women they have a lot more demands put on them um, and they actually can get some more more rights from this because uh, they're the ones that are kind of having to run things because all the men are disappearing now it's not like there's a, a desert of men it's not like there aren't any men there but there's a lot less and so um, they have to they have to do a lot more of the labor uh, but then that gets them some more uh, uh, right. So like in Gambia, um, some women, uh, were able to marry Europeans and become a part of that. Um, and in other areas, they gain political power. Uh, we see that in the Congo. Um, and, um, the, what else do we want to say there? So I think that's kind of it there for women and stuff. Um, again, the areas are weakened if you came or if you were weak, um, if, a, if a small community became weak or that kinship became weak uh, that you were tied to, uh, someone else came in and took you over. And so we see some uh, larger kingdoms taken over, but they're not going to be power enough, powerful enough to, to keep away the British or French or any of the other European forces that will come in. Um, and we can see some that tried to resist the slave trade like Benin. But uh, after they, uh, after the economy fell out, after they tried to get some diverse products and things like that, um, they 
once the economy fell out, they went, well, the one thing where you're guaranteed to slave or guaranteed to, to trade and, and make money off of is going to be slaves. And so they, they um, try to do that. Um, but unfortunately for them, that's kind of they come back into it at the end of the slave trade. And so they don't benefit much from it there. Um, the only other thing really to bring up, uh, that's kind of the changes for Africa, the changes for uh, the Caribbean primarily, but we also see this in other areas um, of, of where slaves go and where there's large populations, like in the southern 13 colonies, is uh, there's, there's a lot more immigrants that are coming there that are African. Um, we don't see necessarily these numbers in, in the southern colonies, but in some areas you see a higher African population to whites. Um, but we definitely see this in the Caribbean where you have a three or four to one ratio of Africans coming to in comparison to Europeans because you don't need many Europeans to help run a plantation. Uh, you just need a few and then you have a lot of slaves under those few Europeans to make sure things are running right. Um, and uh, this also in the year in, in the year in the Caribbean there will lead to those, um, social systems that are based on race so the lighter your skin the higher social status you're going to be the darker your skin the lower social status or more likely you are to be a slave and and that kind of defines the the caribbean world there and so um that's kind of the slave trade in a nutshell uh you have uh europeans plugging into a system that was uh, already there but then ramping up uh, whatever that system was doing before to uh, take it to an extreme uh, where you have from uh, at one point you have 80,000 slaves being taken out of or 80,000 Africans being taken out of uh, Africa to become slaves and um, that cripples the African economies there and restructures the kingdoms and the power structure that's there and will leave them ripe to be taken over by the Europeans in uh, in the 1800s and 1900s. Uh, early 1900s, but mainly we're talking about the mid to late 1800s. And it'll change what the Caribbean looks like, where there are large native populations in the Caribbean islands. Those disappeared because of disease and um, and death from labor. And the Africans will uh, take over for that and become the dominant population, which is why when you look at things today, uh, the Caribbean... Um, if you look at a skin tone is much darker than what you would see if you went to um, the rest of Latin America, looking at Mesoamerica and South America. So uh, that's kind of, if you wondered why um, that's the case, that's, that's kind of what happened there. So uh, that's it in a nutshell, and that'll wrap up here our look at uh, Chapter 14. Next up, and uh, next week we'll be looking at Chapter 15 uh, with the... Uh, transformation of religion and science during this time period, uh, looking a lot at the Renaissance, Reformation, and scientific revolutions that happen uh, and really change Europe, which then spread to the rest of the world. And that'll wrap up our, our uh, Unit 4 of AP World History.